0: We are more sensitive to stress during that late luteal phase, and your body is kind of geared more towards that fight or flight response. But that's what caffeine does. <laughs> it tells your body that there is a danger. So you're just ramping up all of those fight or flight signals. It doesn't have to be that way, even though I love coffee too. Like I love caffeine, but I even find myself, if I, the first few sips that I take of coffee during my late luteal phase, my cheeks are flushed. I am anxious. I just like feel like I want to crawl out of myself. <laughs> and so some things are just not worth it. The big question is this.
1: In a world of fake Instagram models and fad diets, how do real people achieve their fitness goals? We are an army of hardworking women changing their lives through fitness and health. Wherever you are at on your journey, we have the answers to how to make working out and eating well a part of your life. Join us in changing the dialogue for women everywhere. Welcome to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. Hi, guys, and welcome back to the Thick Thigh Save Lives podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Rachel. Guys, we have Courtney Babilia with us today, and she is the founder of the Keeping Balance Method. This is the period episode you've been waiting for. We are going to answer all of your burning questions. Courtney is going to answer all your burning questions about how to fitness, how to um, keep with your goals, and how to work with your body instead of like working against it. She has spent years as an emergency room nurse, and she has seen the vast extremes of neglecting and obsessing over your health. And Courtney just really had a desire to help people address the issues before they landed in the ER, which led her to starting helping women with her business. So Courtney, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So she now helps women work with their hormones to maximize their health and fitness. And the work that you're doing is so amazing. And it's, it's so eye opening. I think just the, the very digestible way that you present things on socials. The concepts are so simple, but when you see them, they're so mind blowing because nobody has said this to you. You've had your period for like since you were, you know, 12 or 14. And this whole time, it's like, oh my God,
0: how am I just hearing this now? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like two things happening at the same time. One is that it's like radically disrupting the fitness industry, right? Everything that we've known about fitness has been very, you know, male oriented. But at the same time, while it's this huge disruptor and mind blowing, women are like, of course, right? There's just this feeling of of peace when you learn about this as if it's like, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be the whole, the whole time. And it's it's crazy that we're just now kind of coming into this having been this generation that was on birth control since the time we were some of us as young as what, 15, 16 years old. And so now we're coming off of birth control. This new generation is coming in and realizing we don't have to be on birth control, hormonal birth control, and our eyes are being open to Really, our own bodies. And so it's just this wild time. I think it's really exciting time as well. So while it is mind blowing, it's also just this feeling of other, utter peace and returning home to yourself, which I just, I absolutely love that.
2: Yeah. I think that's such a, an interesting observation too, is that we don't need to be on hormonal birth control. And I, for so long as a woman growing up in the birth control, like epidemic, can we call it that? Like, cause like we were all just like put on birth control and like getting, off birth control, making the decision to get off birth control. And then realizing there were so many other methods of contraception, like not even just talking about like condoms or like just cycle tracking that nobody explained. And I was like, how am I in my thirties? And this is the first time that I've even thought of cycle tracking and using cycle tracking as a way to a get in touch with my body, not only not only for that and like be more aware of like how to fitness and how to how to just like kind of start to regulate or even be aware of how I'm feeling and how that might be how my hormones might be contributing to that, but also as a form of birth control, I was like, has no one taught like how has this never been a thing? I know, I know, there was such a disservice
0: done to. Girls and then women, because everything we were taught about our bodies was very fear based, right? Yes. That narrative of you can get pregnant at any time. And if you get pregnant, you yes. ruin your life, <laughs> right? So whether or not pregnancy is your goal, just that fundamental understanding of your fertile window and that you can only get pregnant five or six days a month. I mean, talk about you know, opening doors, like what, I don't have to be on this, you know, fertility suppressing hormone drug for every day of my, you know, fertile years. It's, it's wild, but yeah, there we need to fill that gap of education for sure.
2: Right. Courtney, I literally didn't know that until my thirties. Like, (laughs) like I don't understand how that's actually possible, but I literally had no idea. And as soon as I got off birth control, I was like, Oh my God, be so careful. You're going to get pregnant. Like it's a whole thing. And my doctors were really like, they they've contributed to that but once you get to learn really where your fertility window is and ways of tracking it's so like freeing and it feels so much more like connected and in control that i just am like super excited to share this information with everyone because sometimes you feel like oh i'm so silly for not knowing this but then you realize so many other women have experienced a similar idea. Can you tell us a little bit about like how, what led you to creating keeping balance?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was an athlete for very many years. I started doing gymnastics when I was two. So I just grew up being an athlete and that was literally all I knew. And so I was just so used to this high intensity environment that, you know, it felt really natural when I went into nursing to be an ER nurse. It was also that high intensity, high stakes environment that I was just so used to. But But what I saw over and over again was that women in particular were in the ER for a lot of reasons that could have been prevented. And it was just so hard to watch time and time again. People in in the ER having abdominal issues from jumping on the next... Trend in diet culture, people getting injured, you know, wanting to jump into CrossFit or weightlifting and just not having any foundation and burning themselves out. A lot of adrenal issues, a lot of thyroid issues, a lot of um, GI distress from just working way too hard all the time. And you know, coming from a background of being an athlete and also having gone through an eating disorder myself, and then going through this personal journey of becoming a mom and and realizing the importance of staying active, consistent. Right. I was so afraid when I became a mom that I would lose that piece of myself, that, you know, athletic part of me. And I needed something to keep me consistent for my mental health, for my physical health, to show my kids that it's possible to take care of yourself and still, you know, take care of others. So. That's when I really came across, I I wish I remembered like the exact moment, but I just know that I saw a research article. I do believe it was something along the lines of how women are more sensitive to temperature change during exercise, during the luteal phase. And that was like... Holy crap! I don't know if I can curse on this Definitely. podcast. Okay. <laughs> this is a holy shit moment because I was thinking, okay, if if you know enough is happening on a cellular level where we're feeling a difference in our workouts in the luteal phase from temperature change alone, what else is going on, right? And so I just went down the rabbit hole of where is this research and as you probably know, there's not a ton, right? There is, we're starting to build it. And I think science has a long way to catch up with women's bodies and what women have known and been experiencing in real time for forever. But the pieces are there. That groundwork is starting to be laid down. And so from there, I was also getting my certification and personal training in a women's health uh, specialization. And so I started to see these parallels between the traditional model of strength training periodization and the template that the female body already gives you. And there is a huge parallel there. And it's, it literally is as if the female body just gave you this perfect template for athletic training. And all you have to do is just switch the alignment ever so slightly. And It just makes sense when you do it that way, because not only are you kind of working with your hormones and teaming up with your body, but then your body gets to give back to you more. So that's when I knew I have to put this in a framework. I have to put this in a course. I have to give this to women. I called it the keeping balance method and that movement took off from there. And here we are.
1: Wow. A revolutionary idea in fitness and health, working with your body instead of making it a complete enemy that you hate and try to minimize and make as small as possible. I mean, for women specifically,
0: that idea is revolutionary. Right. Totally is. Yeah. Because like I said before, if you zoom out, Women in sport is still relatively new. And so we are just jumping into this male structure that was already there, that already existed. And with this whole women's empowerment movement and feminism, we you know, we were chanting like women can do anything. We can do anything just as good as men. And to a certain extent, of course we can do anything we want to do, but within the parameters of what our own physiology is, we don't need to be proving anything, right? Because we are beautiful and amazing and incredible just the way that we're built. We don't have to change anything about that or, you know, pretend that we're a different, have a different structure to our bodies because that's not how we operate. That's not how we thrive. And so I think now we're starting to you know change our perspective to can we do anything as good as men to no we get to thrive as we are as women and optimize that so it's a huge shift and i love it
1: Yeah, another revolutionary idea. Maybe not comparing your body to anybody else's body. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. So I want to talk about that for a minute because like we've seen the beginnings of a movement. I think that when a lot of people first heard of it was, you know, the US soccer team had a person that was tracking their cycles and and building training around that. And that was the first time that people were like, What? Yeah. Wait, you should be doing different things at different times. Hold on. So So, you know, one of my favorite posts from that you had on your Instagram was about ignoring menstrual cycles and just viewing women's bodies just in general as inconvenient. This is inconvenient. And I just wanted you to maybe talk a little bit about the miseducation or just lack thereof when it comes to like women's bodies and how this is going to affect our health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the majority of this lies with a lack of education. And when it comes to sort of misconceptions, I think the the first time people really start to hear about, you know, this term of like cyclical living, we automatically assume that it's about our weaknesses. When should we stop working hard? When should we just kind of go into a cocoon? And there's a huge spectrum of cyclical living. Sure, some people, and depending on your goals as well, some people might feel really good if during their luteal phase and their menstrual phase, they're just, you know, walking, they're in their little happy place, they're feeling more introverted, fantastic. But that's that doesn't have to be the case case. So a huge misconception is that women aren't going to be achieving their goals athletically or, you know, for their own body composition. That's not the case. You still can absolutely achieve your goals and in fact, it sort of it makes your goals more achievable because whatever process that you are going through to get there, it's more sustainable, right? We are not going to be going 100% all of the time. Just to be in this place of burnout and feeling like we have to start over again, because when you're using your body as a template, you get there more sustainably because it feels better. And that's the other thing, too, is that this doesn't have to be torture. Right. Like who said that in order to achieve your goals, you have to be torturing yourself. There is a place for self-love and and compassion and self-respect and also giving yourself a healthy kick in the butt when you need it. And you can still do that within the context of your cycle and using your cycle as a, as a template, like I've said, but there just, yeah, there is definitely a lack of education. And then when we get into what is being taught, sometimes it's a little bit more extreme or women are thinking, Oh, maybe this is, maybe my cycle is a hindrance. So that's when you get into this whole inconvenience thing. People are like, well, you know, my cycle is is painful. It is inconvenient. I don't want to be bleeding. I don't I don't wanna have I wanna be consistent, right? I wish I just had a 24 hour hour men's hormonal cycle. But you know, that's a really it's a huge self-limiting belief because your body's on your side, right? Your your body wants you to succeed. It's not trying to make your life harder. So when you join up, when you just join forces with what your body is already doing for you, it's it's incredible.
2: That's a, a freeing feeling. And I think a lot of people are going to resonate with the hope of feeling like their body is on their side because for so long, it feels like we're at war yeah. with our bodies. And even for some women who have menstrual cycles and <laughs> for me, I know that I have wished to be on <laughs> a man's hormonal cycle several okay. times yeah. today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it just feels like that even balance would be so much easier. But, you know, your body is on your side, even though sometimes it feels like it's not. But the more that we can work with our bodies, we can really get into some of that mindset and keeping balance like your method describes. But can you go over some of the foundations behind the keeping balance method and why women really can be working with their bodies to achieve their health and fitness goals. Like you can still keep your goals the same, but we may just need to change the method on how to get there.
0: Right. Definitely. So let me take you through a cycle and we'll tap into the different ways that you can train with it. If that works for you. So if you start with the beginning of your cycle, when you're bleeding, That is your menstrual phase, right? And that menstrual phase takes you into the follicular phase. So once you stop bleeding, you're in the follicular phase. And technically, when you're bleeding, you're still in your follicular phase. If you're looking at a two-phase model, you've just got follicular and luteal. But when you slap in the events of menstruation and ovulation, you really have these four distinct phases that really do... Change the way that you are showing up for your life in a lot of different areas. So, we're going to roll with this four phase model because I think that's really important and most potent for most women. So, starting with the menstrual phase, you have to go off of what your energy is telling you. Some women do feel really tired during their menstrual phase, especially during those first two or three days where you're bleeding the heaviest. So, it makes sense if you want to dial back your intensity. Now, what the science says is that you recover better actually on your period. So you might have better recovery metrics. I don't know if, you know, any of you wear whoops or you know, re- track your recovery data, but you're going to see those green numbers of your, you know, your heart rate variability is it's on point. So if you wanted to go for, or more intense approach during your menstrual phase, while you're still bleeding, you can go for it hormonally speaking, but it's still got to match with your energy as well. So we don't want to be in the business of overriding what our body is telling you just because of what your watch is saying, right? So you've got to take the whole picture into account. But I like to think of the menstrual thaw rate as well. So this thaw rate is basically when you kind of feel like you're coming out of winter uh, after you're bleeding, right? We all have that one day when our bleeding is tapering off and we're like, okay, I feel alive again, right? You're entering your follicular phase. This is fantastic. In the gym, you are going to have higher energy and higher confidence, but you're also better at using carbohydrates for your fuel. So that means that things like interval training and higher or heavier lifting, it's going to feel better because your body's metabolism is more geared towards that kind of training. So once you get out of the follicular phase and heading towards uh, the ovulatory phase, again, that's one of those um, variables because some women are exhausted when they ovulate, some women feel on top of the world. So hormonally speaking, you're still really great at using carbs for fuel and your drive might be really high here. Your confidence might be really high here. This is a lot of times great for your peak week. So the highest point of your training for the month will fall in that ovulatory phase energy allowing. Some women like to switch and flip-flop the menstrual phase and ovulatory phase depending on where energy is at. But then after the ovulatory phase is that luteal phase. And that's where luteal phase has such a bad reputation. I feel so bad for the luteal phase. We need to restore its reputation because it's actually so amazing what it can give you. Because instead of using carbs more efficiently, now we are switching to using fat more efficiently efficiently for fuel. And that translates to better endurance training. And I say better, right? But what we have now in terms of research is not showing that on any given day, your performance will drastically change because of your menstrual cycle. We're looking at an overall training plan here and how that's going to actually make you feel during your session after your session and then long-term, right? So it's not as if you go into the gym and you want to do a heavy lifting day during your luteal phase, you're not going to be able to do it. Or if you want to do an endurance session during your follicular phase, you're not going to be able to do it. That's not the case. We're really in in the business of optimizing your experience here. So in the luteal phase, that endurance work is going to be your best friend. Now, when we get into this late luteal phase, yeah, that's when things are start going to taper down. Energy-wise, your hormones are dropping. So before you had progesterone up on your side, which is a like a feel good hormone, right? But then it starts to drop. Estrogen starts to drop and your energy usually does too. And then, you know, recovery isn't as good. You are more geared towards this sympathetic nervous system state, so you are more sensitive to stress, less resilient to stress. And so it just makes perfect sense to align that time of your cycle with your natural deload week. Because if you're a man, if you're a woman, whoever, whoever's training needs a deload week, right? We don't just always train all the time. Everyone's got to build that in. Usually it's every you know six weeks, sometimes every eight weeks, but women, if we build it in every four weeks and align that with our late luteal phase and into the early days of the next cycle, it's going to feel so much better for you. And I refer to that as the cycle straddler. It's usually the last five days of the luteal phase and into the first two or three days of the menstrual phase. That's your cycle straddler. That gives you a full week of a deload. And, And there's your cycle
2: that was extremely helpful. (laughs) You explained that really well with like even playing up some of the strengths, because I know that like, you know, sometimes you feel, I don't know if everyone else feels this in the gym, but I know that sometimes like when I'm going to my session, it's supposed to be a heavy lifting day and I'm just like feeling around and I'm like, I don't feel that that would be beneficial to me right now. Like heavy things, like just like even holding them are just like a hard no, but I could, use like a longer endurance session where I'm like sweating where I'm going for it and like I know that in my mind but you just put a language to it that my body's actually speaking to me yes. <laughs> that's what
0: I was saying before science has a long way to catch up with what women's bodies have known for a long time yeah because sometimes you just get in there and you're like this workout ain't it but I would love to jump on the rower for 25 minutes you know <laughs> or or maybe it is like a, a heavy running workout and you're like I just wanna get under a barbell. You know, your body knows which way to lead you. And I think for a long time there was this narrative of no matter how you feel, you still have to show up, right? That's the only way that you're gonna achieve your goals. But why do we have to be so hard on ourselves? What's at stake here? Are we at war? Are we training for the Olympics? Is our country depending on us? If we're, you know, we keep zooming out and looking at the goal long term, wouldn't you rather arrive at your goal? Because you're gonna get there, you know, you will would you rather arrive at your goal feeling like a shell of yourself or arrive there feeling full of life? You know? So that's kind of what you got to ask yourself when, when you're feeling the pressure of social media telling you that you have to get up at four in the morning, if you want to get your workout in, you know, with your baby strapped to your back and you know, while you're also on a meeting, why? <laughs>
1: why? <laughs> oh my God. My, so my next question had to do with, I feel like the minute we, advise anyone to that they might want to start listening to their body, the first thing that comes in is like, well, that'll just let me be lazy. You know, <laughs> um, it, it's sometimes it's really hard for people, especially at the, you know, in the very beginning of this journey to distinguish like unmotivated, lazy versus um, no, no, genuinely I, I don't want to run today a 5k like I genuinely don't want to like it's not like um, a lazy thing or like do you have any advice on how maybe we can make ourselves feel a little bit more confident and a little better to distinguish those two from each other so we don't feel like such a piece of trash when we're genuinely listening to our body or on the flip side we're not using you know excuses to sort of um steer us away from our goals.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's such an important point. So unfortunately, I think sometimes it does require some trial and error, but you have to know how you feel after a workout sometimes to be able to better, like with more empowerment, say no, like stand your ground. This is what I need to do for myself. So for example, after workouts, you shouldn't be down for the count for the rest of the day right? You should still have energy to do the things that you had planned on doing. There was a point in my training a long time ago where if I did a a CrossFit workout and I was going super hard, I couldn't even go to the grocery store. You know, I was just down for the rest of the day and that is not normal. So if you're pushing yourself to the point where that's how you're going to feel after the workout, that's a no-go. You need to listen to your body. We need to be able to show up for the rest of our lives. And that's what fitness should be enabling us to do. We have this viewpoint of fitness as if the harder we work and the more exhausted we are, the the shinier our badge of honor is, but you have to get back in touch with what your goal really is for fitness. And really what we're trying to do is make ourselves healthier so that we can live longer and we can show up for our lives better with more energy and be happier. So if after your workout, you're not hitting those three marks, then you've got to take a step back. You also have to keep in mind that there is this big iceberg of, of fitness and Above the water, people see the work that you're doing That when, when you're in the gym, right? How hard you're lifting, how fast you're running. But underneath the surface is are the other components of fitness like rest and proper nutrition, physical awareness, where if, if you are not taking care of those pieces under the surface, the iceberg on top is just going to melt. You're not going to get there. So making progress in the gym is three parts. It's the work you're doing. It is the actual raw material that you're giving your body, AKA the food, the fuel to do it and the fuel to recover. And then the actual setting that all of that processes and takes place, which is when you're asleep, right? So, and not just asleep, but going about your normal day and not being in a state of heightened stress. So don't forget the other two thirds of the puzzle, not just the hour that you're in the gym.
2: I'm so glad that you brought that up because we try to hit this when we talked about health and fitness, but everyone really wants to focus on the time in the gym. And I've talked about this with my training partner before when I felt like it was time for her to just like go home and rest. And I was like, are you ignoring the other parts of your training right now? Because like you're missing a whole bunch of sleep and recovery and the opportunity to build muscle by just like continuing to work when your body has said stop. So we're ignoring the other pieces to our training by just saying like, well, I will just work harder here in the gym. And it really has become this culture where like we say, like, if you're going to be successful in the gym, you have to wake up at 4am. like, are you ignoring the fact that like, if you wake up at 4am, you're giving yourself maybe five hours of sleep. And is that optimal for you to be able to be a happy, healthy person. And is that sustainable for you? For some people, the morning workouts, it is sustainable for them. But for some people, it absolutely is not. And it's not the gold star of fitness that you can get up before everyone else and and get a workout in because like the other pieces to the, the iceberg that you have there are so incredibly important to your success in the gym and for you to be able to show up and actually get something done there and not just trudge through something that just like isn't happening for the day. Yeah. No,
0: totally. That's so important. I love that.
2: You know what? I'm I'm like, we got to get our sleep in, gals. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about birth control, too. We touched on it, um, but it's a really important part of talking about all of these phases. Does being on any form of birth control affect these guidelines for training? Like, should women on the pill or not necessarily even on the pill, but like if they're on the ring or any other form of birth control, should they be doing anything different?
0: maybe it depends. That's the, it's that's the, the best strand.
2: answer. Know.
0: <laughs> and not only does it depend on the woman, but it depends on the type of birth control too. So if you are on a combination pill, uh, so there's synthetic estrogen and synthetic progesterone at play, the main way that that works to prevent you from getting pregnant is by suppressing that cycle. So while your own hormones are not giving you a natural menstrual cycle, you are going to have some considerations for the exogenous hormones that are coming into play. So it's not necessarily that you're aligning to your cycle, but you are sort of working with the medication, like medication sinking to be exact. So there, there is some indication that if you're on birth control, you might not build as much muscle, right? That's one study that was like, whoa. The other study that I recently saw was that if you do gain muscle, that doesn't exactly translate to the strength that someone not on birth control would gain. And these things are like, they're sounding really scary, right? Like, oh my gosh, I can't get stronger. I can't even gain muscle. No, if you're on birth control, you're not going to totally just lose all your gains, but you do have to be more aware of some of the risks uh, of birth control. Inflammation can be higher. So maybe your recovery is a little bit more dialed in. So there medication considerations. Now, if you are on a progestin only method, so those are your like POPs, um, the the IUD that's progestin only, you can still ovulate and have a natural cycle when you are on a progestin only method. And so for your training, it is going to mimic more of a natural cycle. So it's really interesting. You, gotta, you just have to know what kind of medication you're on and know how it affects you too. Because sometimes, and this actually happened to me and my doctor explained this to me, is that you be on a medication that is giving you one wave of hormonal rhythms and then your body almost wants to override it and so then it starts to ramp up its own hormone production again and so you sort of have these two competing uh hormonal rhythms going on which can be super confusing and so the best thing that you can do then is to start tracking no matter what you're on you need to start tracking patterns and get used to okay energy is going to be lower at this time of the month or i feel really driven and i feel like really recovered and fresh here so you've got to also take into the you know the individual factors into account too
1: that's a really good point and very good advice. I, I always say, like, the closest I've ever been to a man is on a combo birth control because <laughs> it's just like, na,
2: na, na, na. <laughs> like, you're just the same every day. You're just like, oh, my yeah. God, this, right? is, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I am not promoting it I am just saying it's, it's a little bit awesome but also like you said like there is like a lack of being in touch with your cycle because it is so kind of manufactured that you don't feel those high highs and those low lows as much and and it's hard like sometimes when I was on birth control I would sometimes be like whoa I'm well I'd have to know in my pack when I was going to get my period whereas like when you're not on birth control, you know. You know. <laughs> you exactly. don't need to ask anybody. And everyone um, else knows. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> I want to talk about nutrition for a minute because when we're talking about like the principles of the Keep in Balance method and what we want to be kind of focusing on when it comes to our energy levels and what how that translates in the gym and stuff, of course there's a nutritional component and I want to give you a chance to sort of talk about maybe different macronutrients that we need at different times. Like how can we sort of maximize functioning and and tracking these things with nutrition as well?
0: Yeah, definitely. So I'll be completely honest. I am not a phasic grocery list girl. I'm not going to give you a grocery list and say, in this phase, you have to be eating raspberries and pumpkin seeds and this, that, and the other. I think there is a point at which it can be overwhelming and there's a way to simplify it. So I like to look at the big picture when it comes to nutrition and focus on the things that are really gonna give you the most impact. So we talked about how in the follicular phase, you are more efficient at using carbs for energy, but that necessitates having carbs on board, right? So if you're going to increase your carbohydrate intake, that is the time to do it. So we can increase our carbs in the follicular phase and get more out of it. So that is a key piece there. Now, when it comes to the luteal phase, I think there's a big opportunity here for post-workout recovery because we have progesterone on board, which is a bit catabolic in nature. So it likes to break things down for a good reason, right? It wants to build up that um, uterine lining to make a home for a potential embryo. Cool, but you know, if we're not pregnant and we don't need that, then how can we make the most of what our body is doing? Well, we can get more protein in post-workout and we can also be a little bit more mindful of caffeine and blood sugar regulation. So blood sugar regulation is going to help help you with the, with your mood stabilization. And it's also going to make sure that you don't get those huge crashes, right? So when our blood sugar is all over the place, we feel like shit. So what we can do is we can reduce caffeine. We can make sure that we're drinking caffeine on a full stomach when we do drink it. So making sure that you eat first thing, when you get up, you can also get another bedtime snack in, in the luteal phase, and that's going to help regulate your blood sugar all through the night. And making sure that you're always pairing your carbs with a protein for your snacks and for your meals so that's like a really big broad picture aspect of it when it comes to micronutrients you know in the in the menstrual phase we want to get some more iron in we're losing iron and that's huge for athletic women too if you're someone who struggles with dizziness when you stand up or you get out of breath a little bit more easy, easily a lot of women are anemic and they don't know it so we need to have B B vitamins on board and iron on board there for that reason. And then also in the early luteal phase. So after you ovulate, you've got this high of estrogen and then it tanks, what is your body going to do with that? If estrogen does not get processed and then eliminated from your body via your bowel movements, that can end up getting recirculated and making our PMS worse. So how can we get that excess estrogen out of our bodies well we got to go to the bathroom more so something that you can do is you can up your water and your fiber help carry that out it's really popular right now to have raw carrot salads there's a particular kind of fiber in those raw carrots that binds to estrogen and can help carry it out but also since your transit time slows down in the luteal phase that can be trickier right so you feel more bloated in the luteal phase because things are slowing down why because your body wants to have more time to pull out nutrients that it needs during that time to help build up your uh, uterine lining so it's again amazing that your body is doing that for the purpose of maybe creating a baby but if we don't need that what can we do so let's start cooking our food a little bit more getting it to that where No, we're not eating raw foods and having to work so hard to digest our foods so that it's not sitting in our gut longer and fermenting and making us more bloated. So that's when I like to have more like warm soups and things that are cooked a little bit longer, slow braised meats and warm broths and just optimizing digestion. So things are moving, estrogen is getting
2: out and I am not being slowed down (laughs) by things being slowed down. Courtney, that was a really great breakdown. I know I keep telling you this, but that was super. I don't like when people are like, "You have to eat these seeds during this time." I'm like, "Well, I don't like those seeds." (laughs) Also, we have to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) And like a million other things. I know,
0: like we're not wellness is amazing. Like all the things that we're discovering, so cool. The biohacking tools, like yes, I'm all about it. But it's so easy to get overwhelmed by all of the things that you have to be doing especially when it gets down to like, here's the exact grocery list you need. And I'm like, but I also have to feed a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And you know, I've got like a grown ass husband too. Like it's getting expensive and it's getting overwhelming. So if we're already cooking a dinner, okay, let's cook it longer. Or you know what I mean? If we're already drinking water, let's drink more. So easy things that you can implement. That's what I'm about.
2: Yeah, no, I love those. They're very easy to implement and it just feels like they're empowering to feel like these are easy things to implement to make maybe PMS symptoms a little bit better and to really maximize not only your time in the gym, but how you're feeling on a daily basis during those phases, because I know sometimes like you can hit one of those phases like and you're feeling like, Oh God, here we are again. I'm bloated. I'm this, but like if you have tools in your pocket to be like, okay, I know the reasons why I'm bloated again, I did not know we're holding on to death estrogen, I'd rather help work at that right. Out yeah. there. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to be as like sensitive and, and like working through that. So like, if there are some simple things that like, you can just say, you know, to yourself during the day, like I'm going to drink a bit more water. Cause I know that that's really important. I'm going to lower my caffeine intake. I'm going to cook my food a little bit longer, or maybe like soups, things like that are really my friend during this time. Then that those are super easy things to implement. That'll just like make that war that we have with our bodies less of a war and more of a we're working together on this to feel a little bit better yeah um, so totally. thank you thank yeah. you so much for that that's amazing yeah
0: From a personal standpoint, the one thing that has been probably the most impactful for me and what I've heard from women the most is the caffeine piece. It really is like so mind-blowing how much it changes your experience of being inside your own body during that time right before your period because it also helps you cramp less during your bleed because when you have caffeine on board... That decreases the amount of magnesium that you can absorb in your gut. And magnesium being a muscle relaxer, you want as much of that on board as possible. So if you're depleting your magnesium leading up to the time you need it most, you're going to feel crampy. So decreasing that caffeine and maybe even upping your magnesium if you supplement, that can make your experience on your period so much better.
2: I'm in, I'm in love with these gifts. Oh my God. Uh, you know, I'm saying here, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, this could be a game changer for it her. It really Ooh. is because also, like, I, I rely on caffeine and I'll feel myself at certain points being like, well, I feel super anxious during these times, but I've had the same amount of caffeine. Like, why am I like overwhelmed with anxiety? And then I'm like, well, maybe I'm just sensitive (laughs) or like, but I could also just like lower the caffeine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because remember I mentioned that we are more
0: sensitive to stress during that late luteal phase and your body is kind of geared more towards that fight or flight response, but that's what caffeine does. (laughs) It tells your body that there is a danger. So you're just ramping up all of those fight or flight signals. It doesn't have to be that way. Even though I love coffee too. Like I love caffeine, but I even find myself if I, the first few sips that I take of coffee during my late luteal phase, my cheeks are flushed. I am anxious. I just like, feel like I want to crawl out of myself. And so some things are just not worth it.
2: Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Thank you. It doesn't have to be that way. I do want to talk to the menopausal and perimetapausal women for a minute. And how should these changes be addressed when it comes to training as well? Do you have any tips for them?
0: Yes. So when it comes to menopause, I get this question a lot. Am I still going to do this type of training? Is this style going to carry through? And the answer is that when you go through menopause, you don't have those hormones cycling anymore. Your training actually replaces what hormones were doing for you previously. So if you still want to keep your muscle, we we used to have a lot of estrogen and there's testosterone surges that helped us build muscle. But now when those are way low and to the point we're not even producing some of those, then strength training is going to help replace that stimulus. So you still need to be strength training and you still also have to follow, uh, you know, typical periodization plan of deloading every few weeks weeks. And so you still can take the same approach of, okay, intensity is increasing for three weeks and then we deload on the fourth week. So you can still follow this, you know, feminine, Uh, framework of training, but it's just important that you still stay active and don't assume that just because you're menopausal, like suddenly you become frail and weak. No, we have to keep that stimulus going to keep ourselves resilient. So that's super important. But I also find that women who are more aware of their cycles when they're perimenopausal and things are all over the place, they have a much easier transition because they're not fighting against their bodies and they're able to work with them and sort of troubleshoot their symptoms a little bit more easily with that awareness piece. So it's not just this, like everything's out of my hands, you know, experience of, you know, what's going to happen to me. Let's just wait and see. Well, now you actually have the tools like you were saying in your pocket and you can troubleshoot that as you go and you are a much less stressed version of yourself going through that phase and you might have been without that piece. So those are my two big pieces of advice.
1: That's awesome. I wanted to talk about a little bit of the outliers where, how does this work with perimenopause? How does this work with endo and PCOS? I mean, we have a lot of women who are experiencing very abnormal things when it comes to their cycle and they're not sure where to turn and there's not enough great information out there. Do you have any tips or do you work with anybody that has any of these outlying symptoms where they are experiencing these very tough menstrual cycles and they're looking to like help themselves.
0: Yeah, definitely. Things like PCOS and endo, there are so many pieces of the puzzle. And I feel for those women who are trying to put that all together. And one thing I want to give them is permission, right? Permission to rest, permission to just take a deep breath and say, I don't have to know all the answers right now, but I can work with my body in real time as we go. We're in this journey together. And I think that for irregular cycles, knowing when you ovulate is so important. And I think a lot of women are like, well, how am I supposed to know? I never know when it's going to come. You can track basal body temperature and start to get an idea of over time. Okay. When is my body about to ovulate? When have I confirmed ovulation? And then if you can track basal body temperature with something like a temp drop, which is a device that you wear on your arm at night, it syncs to your phone, you just have that data there, then you can start to correlate that to how you're feeling. But overall with endo or with PCOS, staying active is very important, especially with PCOS if you have the type that um, involves insulin resistance, because we know that building muscle helps to combat that. So we can continue to stay active, continue to plug into our data, continue to plug into the patterns that are recognizing and take it day by day. You have that permission to take it day by day. It's so easy to feel like we have to have this perfect cycle that we have to have the textbook 28 day cycle where we have, you know, the, the beautiful two weeks leading up to ovulation and then Bing, I've confirmed ovulation. I can move into the luteal phase. I know exactly what I'm going to bleed. It's not always like that. We cannot be aligning our lives to a textbook cycle because then it's, it's not going to work, right? We have to feel empowered to work with the cycle that we have today, not the cycle you want to have or wish you should have. So you have permission to just take it day by day. <laughs>
2: That's such great advice because these a lot of these women are just gaslit into thinking they're not feeling the way that they're feeling. They need to just train through it and they need to ignore all the signs and symptoms that their body is giving them or trying to speak to them. And the longer you don't give yourself permission to actually feel the things that you're feeling, the longer you... Prolong like working with your body and actually like kind of figuring out what might work for you. And you just start, wish it was something else. Like that's never going to happen. So like the sooner we can start to give ourselves permission to feel how we're actually feeling and the symptoms that you are actually experiencing, the sooner you can start to, I don't want to say like get better, but like work with your body and optimize your performance in the gym and just like how you're feeling on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. It just makes that process so much smoother because like we've been saying this whole episode, it doesn't have to feel like you're at war this whole time. If we can make this as seamless as possible and feel good as possible, that really matters. You know, it's not just about like, okay, I've reached X goal on X date. It's about how you felt in the process to get there. And then how you're going to feel after you've hit that marker, right? Is it just, is it sustainable? Right. We're, we're here for the long game. Gals, (laughs) Gals, <laughs> we yeah. want to be active for as long as possible. And that isn't going to feel good or be feasible if we're just constantly fighting against ourselves. So the sooner we can get on board with our own bodies, the, the better and the more, less road bumps we're going to come across.
2: Courtney, this has been extremely valuable information. I'm, you know, I sat through this whole thing and I'm probably going to listen back just like with a notepad. (laughs) So I think some of our listeners are going to too, but I want them to be able to check you out wherever they can find you. So can you let us know where they can hear more from you and um, get more information from you?
0: Absolutely. So my website is CourtneyKeepingBalance.com. My Instagram handle is the same, Courtney Keeping Balance. There's also, as of June 30th, the Keeping Balance Method app in all app stores. So Google Play and Apple, you can download the Keeping Balance app. And you will have the option to join a membership where you can tap into any workout vault that your body's ready to show up for. So we'll have four workout vaults for you for each of your four menstrual phases. There's strength training in there. There's hybrid workouts um, hit workouts when appropriate. So that way you can take all the guesswork out of what should I be doing today? And you can just tap into your workouts uh, from the app and that'll be live June 30th.
1: So helpful. Courtney's Instagram is honestly just a wealth of knowledge and it's so digestible and you're so personable and it's just, it's such a great resource. So I would definitely suggest give her a follow because you're going to learn a lot and she's so cute.
0: Thank (laughs) you. You might also see my my kids and my cat. So there's that.
1: (laughs) It's so (laughs) real. It's so (laughs) real. Courtney, thank you so so much. I really the amount of actionable tips from this episode is what I am just living for right now. I think that there's so many things that you can take and just implement today. So I just want to thank you from our listeners, and we love you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much. This was so fun.
2: Thank you so much for listening to the Thick Thighs Save Lives podcast. If you'd like to join our movement, get in our free app, CVG Nation, available in your app store. We have an amazing community of women, coaches to help you with your movements, challenges, and we give away leggings daily in there. Rachel and I are in there every day, so it's a perfect place to get in touch with us. This podcast is made possible by Constantly Varied Gear, so be sure to check out ConstantlyVariedGear.com. Have an amazing week. Crush your goals.